Luke 20, verse 20, or Luke 17, verse 20 through chapter 18, verse 8. I'm reading from the New International Version. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There he is or here he is, do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage, Up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? they asked. He replied, Where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. Grant me justice from my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these verses. We thank you for the message we're about to hear. I ask that we would learn more about you, and I ask that you would give our pastors the wisdom to continue to lead us and to teach us much. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Dallas. So, um, we're back in Luke. We're back in Luke. Galatians, we did Galatians in December. That was nice. Um, that was nice. Just a few few words at a time. Few fr- a little phrase at a time. 
We're doing a little bit more than a phrase today. We've got a lot in front of us, um, a lot to get through um, this morning. As we were going through like the Christmas season, you know, December, after Thanksgiving, December, kind of getting ready for Christmas and all of that, whatever that, you know, uh, means for you and your family, um, I would ask people, so are you ready for Christmas? And it's just something I say. You know how you just say things, just making small talk? And um, I'm not the best at small talk. Um, I'm not the best at big talk either. I'm just, talking is tough. But, uh, um, so I'm just making small talk. Hey, you ready for Christmas? And most people would say, sure, or as ready as I'll ever be. Some people would say, what does that mean? And then I'm stumped. You know, I, I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I was just, I was just shooting the breeze. I don't interrogate me. I don't know. I don't know what it means. Whatever, um... I don't know. Whatever it means um, to be ready for Christmas, are you ready? Um, or I change the subject. I just hey, you here Michigan beat Ohio State or something. I don't know. I would just change the subject to something else. Um, Luke is asking us this morning not if we're ready for Christmas. Luke is confronting us this morning with his. Um, with this passage, because Luke doesn't do small talk. Luke, Luke talks a lot. Luke, Luke has left us a big book. This is a big gospel. He has said a lot. He has recorded a lot. But he doesn't waste any of it. He's never just kind of shooting the breeze. He's never just kind of talking to hear himself talk. I remember when I was in high school and college, and I had to do like an eight-page paper. I had about two pages of content, right? And then the other six pages were just fluff. I was just I was just say I was just whatever. I, I just filled it with whatever goofiness that I could think of to get to the eight-page mark. Um, Luke has left us pages and pages and pages, but he wants all of it in there. None of it is fluff. None of it is small talk. Luke wants to know this morning if we are ready for Jesus to return. The question that Luke is putting forward this morning in this passage are, are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you ready for Jesus to return? As we look at these verses that Dallas read for us, these verses that we have in front of us, we're, we're facing the question, are, are, are we ready for Jesus to return? Are you ready for Jesus to come back and to punish all those who have rejected Him and to save all those who have trusted Him? Are, are you ready for Jesus to establish the kingdom of God once and for all for everyone to see? Are you ready? Luke's not just making small talk. Because if we were to say to Luke, well, what does that even mean? He wouldn't do what I do and just kind of bumble around and, I don't know, change the subject. He, he would tell us. It means something to him. In fact, in these verses, he's telling us exactly what it means to be ready for Jesus' return. And so that's what we're going to do in our sermon this morning. We're going to look at what it means to be ready for Jesus to return. What it means to be ready for Jesus to return. The first thing we see as we work our way through this passage, it means we must believe the Gospel. If we are going to be ready for Jesus to return, we must believe the Gospel. Uh, verses 20 and 21 of 17, uh, chapter 17 are just very interesting to me. They're just kind of fun verses. 
uh, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says to them, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's in your midst. It's here right now. Uh, they did not love that. The Pharisees are kind of like uh, the disappointed kid on Christmas. You know, the kid who filled out the extravagant wish list. Right? You, 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 uh, you ever fill out a, just a, a ridiculous Christmas wish list when you were small? Um, you know, the kid who wants the new TV and the Xbox 5G revolution or whatever the newest Xbox is called. He, the, the, the suit of armor and the jet ski and all that. He just has this big long list. Uh, and then they get like socks and bed sheets and stuff like that. Um, I take Haddon uh, Christmas shopping every year to the to the dollar store, and she can pick out wh- whatever she wants for each member of her family. So she gets something for all of her siblings and her mother. And last year, I'm pretty sure this wasn't on her mother's Christmas list. Last year, Haddon bought um, my wife uh, uh, socks. They were orange and yellow, red and yellow, and they had big beer mugs on them, and the, and the beer is just foaming, foaming out of the mugs, and they say, cheers, and um, I'm pretty sure that Denise did not have beer socks on her wish list, but I hadn't thought that mom needs those, so that's what she got from her, for her for Christmas, um, yeah, um, she hasn't worn them a ton, uh, but it's a... Uh, yeah, the, the, the Pharisees have a very specific list in mind of what the Messiah is going to be, what he is going to do, what it's going to look like when the Messiah brings the kingdom of God into town. The, the, the Pharisees have a very specific list. And, and they, they thought the Messiah was going to come in and, and beat back Rome and reset the throne of David in Jerusalem and reestablish Israel as a superpower and punish all those nations who had afflicted them and abused them. The kingdom of God was going to be this, this powerful political military thing. And it was going to happen right now. And we're going to shake off our Roman oppressors. We're going to reestablish Jerusalem. It's going to be awesome. But Jesus didn't seem to care about any of that. He definitely carried himself as if he was the Messiah. He definitely talked as if he was going to bring in the kingdom of God. He was going to be very influential in doing that. He he carried himself as if he's the Christ. He talked about himself as if he's the Christ. But then he's not doing the stuff that's on their list. So they're pretty confused and pretty disappointed. And so he says to them, no, 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 no. Stop. Stop. The the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. It's not the stuff that you think it's going to be. It's not. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. No, no, it's not coming in that way. Jesus says, it's not. Stop looking up in the sky for like, the star is falling. Or stop, stop reading the newspaper looking for the, for the right, like, political machinery to be in place. Stop looking for all that. Jesus says, I, I've come. Stop looking for signs. I'm right here. I'm in the midst of you. And since I'm in the midst of you, the kingdom is in the midst of you. Put your weird list of expectations away. The king is in the midst of you, so the kingdom is here. 
And as we watch this unfold throughout the Gospels and the New Testament, we're going to see the peoples, their, their main enemy was not Rome. Their main enemy is our main enemy. It's sin. The main fear is not Roman oppression. It's punishment in hell for sin. And so Jesus is saying, I am the King that you need. I am the only one who can rescue you from sin. From, from Satan and death and hell. I am the only one who can rescue you from your enslavement to sin and bring you into the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom is in your midst because the King is in your midst. Repent and believe the Gospel. Believe the good news. I am the only one who can rescue you. I am the only one who can deliver you. Stop looking around for the kingdom. The kingdom is here because I am here. That's the word for the Pharisees in this passage. But it's also the word for us as well. If we're going to be ready for Jesus to come again, we have to understand that He came the first time and we have to understand why He came. If we're going to be ready for Jesus to come again, we must believe the Gospel. We must understand that the eternal, magnificent Son of God has come and He has established the Kingdom of God by, by dying for us on that cross, canceling the debt that we owe, rescuing us from our enslavement to sin and Satan and death and hell and bringing us into His Kingdom. And now that His work on the cross is finished and now that He's been raised from the dead and now that He has ascended into heaven, He is right now continuing His Kingdom work. He is continuing to build His church, build His family through His Spirit, through His Word, in and through His people. He is taking over the hearts of sinners. He is authoring and perfecting faith in them. He is saving them from their sins with that faith. And He is transforming them from rebels into worshipers. If you don't believe the Gospel this morning, if you don't believe that Jesus is your only hope to be saved from your sin, and He is the only King worth serving, if you don't believe that this morning, then you're not ready for Jesus to return. And He is going to return. Let's get ready. What I try to say in my my sermons, what I try to remember to say is if if you... Um, and I want to say it again today, if, if you want to talk more about that, if you have questions about that, if, if, it's that, if that's fuzzy in your mind or confusing in your mind somehow, I, I, I'd love to try to talk with you about any questions you might have about what it means to believe the Gospel, what, what it means to, to know that, that Jesus is your only hope to be saved from your sins. I would love to talk to you more about that. Because that's the first thing that it means. And really, if we don't have that first one, the rest of these don't matter. The first thing it means to be ready for Jesus to return, we must believe the Gospel. Second, second, we must expect to suffer. And He said to the disciples in verse 22, He said to the disciples, so He's, he's turned from the Pharisees. He's, he's trying to help the Pharisees sort out their wonky theology, right? He's trying to help them to understand that He is indeed the Christ, the one they must put their, the one they must believe and follow. They, they must. So he's, he's trying to, he's trying to help the, the Pharisees understand that. And now he's turning to his disciples, the ones who do trust him and do follow him. And he's, he's talking to them and he says, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. 
and you will not see it. What, what he's saying there is, uh, there are going to be days that come in your life that you, that they're going to be hard days. There are going to be days where you are, where you are sad, where you are lonely, where you are discouraged, where you are persecuted, where you are beaten down. You're going to suffer. The days are coming when you will desire to see just one of the days of the Son of Man. You want just a, a you just want a, a, a taste of glory. You're longing for it, and you will not see it. He says you're you're you're, you're going to have some days that you just absolutely have to suffer through. And he says, verse 23, and they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Jesus is, is saying there, it's going to get rough, it's going to get difficult, and you're, you're going to want to kind of follow off after weird teaching, weird conspiracy theories, weird, weird dudes saying Jesus has already come, or, or he, I'm him, or something like that. You're, you're going to, there's going to, you, people are going to take advantage of the fact that you can't wait for heaven. And they're going to, and they're going to teach weird things. Don't follow after them. Jesus says, when I come back, you'll know. You'll, you'll know. My, my, my people will know when I come back. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in His day. It's not, it, you'll know. You'll know. If someone comes up to you before then and says, hey, Jesus has come, but you, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. When I come, you'll know. I'm going to come for you. It's going to be good. Jesus says, I'm going to come for you. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you home to myself that where I am, there you will be forever. It's going to be, it's going to be good. But you're going to have to wait for it, Jesus says. You're, you're going to have to wait for it. And there are going to be days where you will long to see it. There will be days when you cannot wait. But you cannot wait for me to return and put everything right and wipe away every tear. You will not, you, you, you just will not be able to wait for it. And it's going to be, you're just going to be on the edge of your seat. You're going to have to wait. And Jesus says, and, and, and I know what that's like. Verse 25, for, for I must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus says, I, I, know what, I know what it's like to have suffering before glory. Jesus is tying together here in these verses. He's tying together His story with, with their story. He's saying, I'm, it's going to be cross and then crown for me. It's going to be suffering and then glory for me. That's what it's going to be like for you as well. That's what it means to follow me. You're, you're going to, you're going to suffer. I suffered. You're going to have to suffer. It's going to be good in the end, but until the end, you're going to live in a world that doesn't like me at all, and you're going to live in a world that's cursed by sin. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I'm coming back. So those who are ready for Jesus to return are those who are expecting to suffer. They, they know that for their Savior, it was, it was suffering and then glory. And they know that to follow Him means to follow that ark, to follow that path. It's going to be, it's going to be suffering and then glory. So that's the second thing it means. It means that we're, to be ready for Jesus to return, it means we expect to suffer. Third, Thing, it means we must hold this life loosely. The third thing it means to be ready for Jesus to return, third, we must hold this life 
loosely. Let's pick up in verse 26. Continuing on through our passage here. Verse 26, Just as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus says, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Now, this is, this is fascinating. I want you to see how Jesus describes the days of Noah and then the days of Lot. They, they were eating and drinking and marrying and, and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now this is very interesting because when Genesis describes uh, the days of Lot, like in Genesis 13.13, Colin read it this morning, now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. But Jesus, and so, and this is the way it is in, in the days of Noah as well. But Jesus doesn't highlight their great wicked sin, like all of their abominable acts. Jesus isn't highlighting that here. He's not talking about all the terrible things he, that they're doing. He could, all their immorality, all of their violence, all of their corruption. Jesus doesn't highlight that though. What is Jesus highlighting? He's just saying they're, they're, they're busy. They're busy with the things of this world. They're eating and drinking and marrying. They're, they're buying and selling, planting and building. They're just doing regular life. Now we know that there is also all kinds of sin, uh, involved here. But Jesus says, you know, when, when I come back, when I come back to judge the living and the dead, when I come back, it's going to be like this. It's, it's going to be people so consumed with, with eating and drinking and getting married and having kids and taking those kids to the dentist and taking those kids to soccer games and buying a house and then selling that house and buying a nicer house and finding a better job and getting those kids into college and doing this and doing that and, and taking and figuring out Facebook so you can put pictures of your grandkids on Facebook and just like busy, busy, busy and then, and then you die. Or busy, busy, busy and then Jesus comes back. These, these people are so busy they're so busy in the days of Noah and the days of Lot that they have no time, no interest whatsoever in any warning God might issue them. They have no interest in the Word of God. They have no interest in what happens after they die. They have no interest in whether or not God is pleased with them, whether, whether they are guilty before God or not. They don't care about any of that. They're busy with, with the stuff of life. They're consumed with the stuff of life, Jesus says. But then he says in verse 31, the, the one who is ready for my, my return, they're going to hold all of that stuff very loosely. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. 
We cannot be attached to the things of this world. We cannot be consumed with the things of this world, with the, with the eating and drinking and buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage and, and, and planting and building. We cannot be consumed with the things of this world. We must see them as fading, as passing away. We must keep our eyes on eternity and we cannot do both. We cannot be the person on the top of the house ready to, to turn away from it at a moment's notice. Notice, we, we cannot be the one who, as when, when Jesus comes, okay, fine, we'll just leave that. We're good. We've been waiting for this moment. We cannot be that person who has this, this loose hold on the things of this life and the person who is just consumed. We cannot be both. So we must keep our eyes fixed on eternity. We must have a temporary relationship with the stuff of this world. Because here's what matters. Verse 34, I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? Where is this going to happen? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Which I, I take to mean, where, where is judgment going to happen? It's going to happen wherever it needs to happen, Jesus says. Judgment is going to come wherever it needs to come. Judgment is coming, and it's going to come wherever it needs to come. He says there will be people from the same household separated. There will be believers living and working together with right alongside unbelievers. There will be those who have repented of their sin and believed the Gospel, and they will be brought into the glorious, joyful presence of God forever. And those who have rejected or disregarded or ignored the Gospel will be punished. Those who are too busy for the Gospel, those who are too consumed with the, with the things of this life to care one way or the other, are going to be punished. That's what matters. That's what matters. So we, we must keep eternal things in mind. We keep eternal things in focus. And you cannot do that if you're consumed with eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and building and buying and selling and planting and growing and harvesting and eating some more. We cannot find all of our meaning in life and all of our happiness and all of our everything in the stuff of this life and be asking ourselves, what am I doing right now that will matter in a thousand years? We cannot do both. We cannot do both. What am I doing right now that will matter in 1,000 years? I'm going to enjoy the good things in this life that God gives me. I'm going to work hard at the, at the vocation that He gives me. And I'm going to take care of the responsibilities that He's given me in this life, but I'm going to hold them loosely. I'm going to remember that they're fading and passing away. I'm not going to build my whole identity around them. I'm going to be continually asking myself, but what am I doing that's going to matter in a thousand years? That's the third thing it means to be ready for Jesus to return. Hold the things of this life loosely. 
And then here's our fourth and final thing it means to be ready for Jesus to return. Fourth, it means we pray persistently. We pray persistently. Picking up our verses in chapter 18. This is such a fascinating... I love Jesus' stories. and I love His stories. And here's one, 18 verses 1-8. through And He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So Jesus has a parable with a really good point, but He's going to use just really a really sketchy dude to make His point. Which is fascinating. I love it when Jesus does this because it just throws everybody off. They can't deal with it. I love it. Verse 2, He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So this guy was just a... He was just a turd. Alright? He was a... He was an awful dude. Corrupt. I mean, the, the people, when they read this, they would have thought of like Herod, or they would have thought of just some corrupt person. Didn't care about God. Didn't care about people. We're always thinking about what's in it for them. Just a jerk. Awful dude. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. So she had been mistreated. She wanted justice. She wanted the judge to do what he could do, which was put it right. That's what she wanted him to do. But, for a while, verse 4, he refused. But after a word, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man. I mean, who says that to themselves? I don't know. It's really weird. But, anyhow, just admittedly could care less about anything. He says, even though I could care less about anything, I'm basically an idiot. Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. She's going to drive me crazy. Fine. I don't feel like it. You're not worth it. Nobody's worth it. But I'll do it anyhow so you leave me alone. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Verse 7, And will not God give justice to His elect? who cry to Him day and night. How much better is God? How much better is God? How much kinder is God? Will He delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? Luke is saying here, Jesus is saying here, this is what it looks like to be ready for Jesus to return. This is what it looks like. This is what Jesus is looking for when He comes back to earth. This is what faith looks like to Him. Persistent, obnoxious prayer. Pray without ceasing. Pray and don't lose heart. Especially when it seems like justice is delayed. Especially when it seems like God is going way too slow. God is so much better than this judge. Will He not give justice to His elect? Will He not make things right for us? Keep praying. Don't stop. This is how we show that we are ready for Jesus to come back. We pray, Jesus, come quickly. We pray, Jesus, come make things right. Jesus, please save my loved ones. 
Please open their hearts to believe the Gospel. Please give us strength to endure. Please give us patience and joy as we watch the kingdoms of this world crumble around us. Please help us turn our eyes toward You. Please help us to long for Your appearing more than we long for anything else. Jesus, help us. And so we pray this over and over and over, persistently, consistently, every day when things are dark and lonely and doesn't seem like our prayers are being answered, or when things are good and we see God answering prayer, whatever we're going through, we pray, Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, save my loved ones. Jesus, make things right. Jesus, come. Come quickly. He is going to return. And and the, the wording there, will not... Will not God give justice to His elect? God is going to set everything right for His chosen ones. God is going to make everything good. And He is going to do it speedily. Which I think in the context of our passage means that when Jesus shows up to make things right, He's going to get it done. He's going to do it right, and He's going to do it quickly. And then, and there is going to be this, this moment where when Jesus wipes away every tear and He puts everything right, it's going to be like that thing that Paul talks about. I love to talk about this verse where, where, where this, 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 this great affliction in our life, it, it's preparing us for this weight of glory. I think we're gonna, we're gonna feel that weight of glory in that moment and it's gonna feel not like Jesus has delayed, but that He has done all things well. He has done all things right on time. He has fixed things good. And He did it quickly. Jesus is going to return. He's going to rescue all those who by His grace have believed His Gospel and He's going to bring them into His joyful presence forever. He's going to wipe away every tear from every eye and He's going to make all things new. And there is that flip side of that coin where He is going to also punish all those who have refused to believe His Gospel. Those who have delayed. Those who have gotten so busy that they've ignored it. Those who have disregarded it. Those who have heard it and just flat out rejected it. Or those who have heard it and just kind of didn't make a commitment either way. Jesus is going to return. It's going to be blessing and glory and joy for those who have believed the Gospel and it is going to be punishment for those who have refused. Luke wants to know this morning. He's saying to us, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for a new new year. We thank You that... Um, uh, we can, by Your grace, do this year what we did last year, which is just continue to gather around Your Word, continue to believe it, continue to submit to it more and more, continue to grow in our understanding of what it means, of why we need it. I, I pray, God, that You would just, this year, um, that, you would, that You would drill us deeper into Your Word, deeper into Your grace, And we pray, God, that we would be ready for Christ to return. 
that we'd be ready. That we would be, we would, we would be holding the stuff of this life loosely. That we would be thinking in, in eternal terms. We'd be thinking about what are we doing right now that's going to matter in a thousand years? Help us to think that way, God. Help us to long for your appearing. We are thankful for your grace to us. Pray that you would help us um, as we as we work our way through 2022 and whatever it brings us. And I'm sure it's going to bring us ups and downs, but I'm also sure that you are faithful. So I pray that you would help us to remember that. Help us to long for the appearing of your Son, our great God and Savior. It's in His name we pray. Amen.